Hello everyone and welcome into Buff Stampede Radio. My name is Adam Munster Tiger. I'm in the host seat this week and I am joined as always by Ryan Konigsberg. I'm getting over the flu bug here and our normal uh, host of this show, William Whalen, is out with the flu today. Ryan, you say you have a a great immune system, so sitting next to me, you should be okay. I, I'm glad you have not gotten this bug that's going around this late fall, I should say. It's it's pretty brutal. How you doing today, Ryan? Good. Uh, healthy as can be, like I said. <laughs> the immune system of a warrior over here, so okay. I'm not worried. Well, Colorado, in the second half of yesterday's game, at least, on the basketball court, played like warriors. They, they took what was, I want to say it was a lackluster first half. I know they had a 10-point lead at halftime, but you know, added by the atmosphere in the Coors Event Center, which a lot of people were obviously watching the Broncos at the Broncos game, watching <coughs> NFL football, it wasn't a great atmosphere. They, they announced over 8,000 in attendance. There were not 8,000 people in the Coors Event Center. It was less than that. I think that was tickets sold. Um, I, I think it was one of those lazy Sundays where they finally got it together in the second half. And then obviously last Friday, opening the season in Dallas against Baylor, losing that basketball game by 12. Just real quick, Ryan, for quick hits from early on the season. What, what, what were your takeaways from those first two games? Um, I, I, we talked about this a little bit last night. And what we were saying is I don't really think anything has changed from what from what we expected. They had a very poor shooting night um, against Baylor. But, you know, that happens. And it happens a lot to Colorado on the road, especially against good teams. So, you know, you had to – you had to at least know that that was a possibility going into that game. And then last night, you know, I, I agree with you that the atmosphere um, was kind of a bummer. Um, it's kind of one of those what comes first, the chicken or the egg thing, because the atmosphere was bad, and then CU started playing bad, which just kind of sucked all the energy out of that. So, you know, maybe if CU comes out early, you know, throwing alley-oops and knocking down three-pointers, the crowd gets more into it. But they obviously... Never really, really fully got into that game, um, and but I think last night was an extremely positive game um, for the freshmen. So you know that's definitely something you can take out of that. Those freshmen contributed to winning a basketball game uh, at the collegiate level for the first time, and that's huge for those players. You know, a player like Dustin Thomas has showed that everything that we thought he was, he was going to show so far, you know, he's extremely smooth. That spin move that he made to the basket was uh, as good as you'll see, um, you know, at this level. And then, obviously, Wesley Gordon, uh, another person who's taken what we've seen on the practice floor now for over a year and brought it to the court, and that's extremely positive. You know, as Tad Boyle said last night, he knew Wes Gordon was capable of that, but you never know what you're going to get with a freshman. So it's extremely important for Colorado fans to see that, yes, he is going to take that play from the practice floor and bring it onto the court. What's crazy, and obviously Wesley Gordon has impressed everybody that's watched these first two basketball games. What's crazy to me is that he talks about how nervous he was before the first two games, and yet he looks anything but nervous out on the basketball court. Again, to your point of what Tad Boyle said is you don't know what you're going to get out of freshmen, and a lot of times it is the nerves that overcome these guys. It's funny to hear a player admit that he's nervous but not play nervous, and that's a big thing with any true freshman. I look at that that first game in Dallas against Baylor, and I saw a lot of these true freshmen – 
you could kind of see it in their body language. They were like, wow, this is in a completely different pace than anything I've played in before. There were a couple shots by Jerron Hopkins, and he's not a great knockdown jump shooter by any means, but there were a couple uh, driving shots that he had that just completely missed. And it was just kind of reconfiguring your game to this level. And when you're a, a guy like Jerron Hopkins in high school, you're such a freak athlete. You're, you're playing at a different level than everybody else. To have people playing on your level is a complete eye-opening experience. The good thing is, Jerron Hopkins bounced back, bounced back yesterday um, and uh, had a, a pretty darn good game against Tennessee Martin. And you saw Dustin Thomas make all three of his shots. And I think there is some of the comfort of being at home where you've been practicing. But I think it is also these guys quickly adjusting to the game because they are really good athletes. I mean, this is a young basketball team. But I think the fact that um, these guys are such good athletes that they're going to be able to make that transition quicker than, obviously, Chris Jenkins, who we saw, who's not in the program anymore. It was taking him this long to even get to the point some of these true freshmen are right now. Um, so I think that was a positive to take. Um you, you mentioned uh, the, the Dustin Thomas making all three of his shots, and I just wanted to bring up a point about that that really impressed me. When you start off three for three as a basketball player, you know, especially a freshman, I expect him to say, all right, I've got it going. I'm going to you know, chuck up a few. Not to pile on Ski Booker because I'm, I'm a big fan of, uh, of a Ski Booker, and I, I think he's going to be very important to this team. But if Ski Booker starts off a game three for three, you can guarantee – He's shooting at least three more, unless unless he misses all three of those, he's going to keep shooting the rest of the game. The fact that Dustin Thomas, he didn't necessarily get another wide open shot or a shot within the offense the rest of that game, so he didn't take another shot. From a true freshman, that really, really impressed me. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, we can talk about the negatives of Askia Booker early on this, this, this uh, season so far through two games, and I think the biggest issue there has been um, the fact that he has not changed from the end of last season. Now, in that Illinois game, he really kept them. He brought them back late in the first half against Illinois in the NCAA tournament. That's the good side of Ski. We've seen more of the bad side of a Ski of Booker, though, for the better part. I mean, you look at the end of the Charleston Classic and maybe a little bit after that. You look at really almost an entire year, we've seen more bad than good from a Ski of Booker. Yeah, it's really it's disappointing, and you can tell it's very disappointing for the fans um, who spend the whole offseason thinking, all right, well, he's going to come back a whole new player. You know, he had a whole year to get all that out of his head. And then he comes out and, and starts off with two bad games. And maybe that's just two bad games. And, you know, he really did change it all in the offseason, and it just kind of fall apart for him early here. But, you know, the difference in the way that team plays when Ski Booker is knocking down shots versus when he's forcing shots and, you know, forcing the issue to the whole, it's it's night and day. Um, if they're going to be anywhere near what people think they're going to be and, and are hoping for them to be this year, he has to get it back on track. He was 5 for 16 in the first game, I think, yesterday, 2 for 6 from the field. Yeah. And a couple of those field goals were very late. Now, I mean, that maybe is a positive, get him going a little bit. Um, and uh, he had a couple steals late in the game as well. On the flip side, you, you talk about... Um, you know, a volume shooter, a volume scorer in a ski book. You took, look at the opposite end of the spectrum. In Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, you know, scoring, was it uh, 13 points on three field goals yesterday? And most of those, um, you know, points obviously at the free throw line. 
I saw him a little bit in the Baylor game, just not quite in sync, and, and that could come back to just kind of that first game of the year. To, you know, a lot of guys just kind of need to ease a little bit into it with that pace, even though he did play over in Europe um, uh, this summer uh, for the USA uh, team. But I'm okay with him scoring at that clip as long as other guys are getting involved. Dustin Thomas needs more shots. You, you talk about Josh Scott. He, he got the ball in the post a lot early on yesterday, not quite as much later on. He needs the ball more. If Wesley Gordon keeps scoring efficiently as he is, and I, I think that's going to drop off a little bit. I mean, he's a, he's a good player, don't get me wrong, but he's not going to be shooting 7 for 10 throughout the rest of the season. Um, so, But he still needs a, little, a few more looks. Um, and as these other true freshmen, aside from Dustin Thomas, get more experience, they're going to need more looks. I'm okay. I, I think, Ryan, yesterday after the game, though, you were kind of disappointed with, with Spencer Dinwiddie and his aggressiveness. Yeah, I just I talked about it a lot before the season. I, I really would like to see Spencer Dinwiddie take over a game from the very opening tip because aside from maybe the CSU game last year, you really haven't seen him do that. And, you know, he gets all this pub as possible Pac-12 player of the year. Performances last night, I don't care if it's efficient. It's not a Pac-12 player of the year performance. You can't have your best player um, talent-wise on the team only taking three shots uh, consistently. You know, of course they win last night, and I think Spencer is a lot more worried about, you know, getting the freshman looks and getting them involved right now. I just hope that he doesn't fall into a habit of being passive all the time because there's going to be games where Josh Scott is overmatched inside and isn't going to be able to score. And there's going to be game, and like you said, Wesley Gordon isn't going to score 13 points every night. But there's going to be games where they need Spencer to, to take over and, and shoulder the load. And I just hope that he um, is prepared to do that when the time comes. So even Tad Boyle said last night, three shots, that's, that's not enough for Spencer Dinwiddie, I don't think. But like you said... There are going to be times this year. When you look at the Tennessee Martin game yesterday, I think their tallest guy was six seven. They had an advantage in the post, and early on, you could see they, that's what they were trying to take advantage of. That's when Josh Scott got up a lot of his looks. That's when he scored a lot of his points. That's when Wesley Gordon was, uh, you know, scoring a lot down low. Uh, I think that was the game plan yesterday, at least from Spencer Dinwiddie's standpoint. I mean, you, you talk about he's as confident as a basketball player as we've either. I think met in person, at least for me myself personally. I've never met a basketball player more confident. I appreciate the side of him that is about the team. A lot of times, especially nowadays, you don't see that as often. And so I appreciate that. I don't think he will have three attempts, maybe unless they have a huge advantage down in the post again. Yeah. You know, you talk about advantage in the post and the undersized. I'd love to see Spencer Dinwiddie take an advantage in the post. Yeah. I'd love to see Spencer and Winnie take a small guard and back them in into the paint. And at the very worst, you know, someone's going to get open on the perimeter from that. And he's a very capable passer. We know that. Um, I've been talking about that for his entire career at CEO. I'd love to see Spencer Dinwiddie uh, take, take uh, advantage of a mismatch in the post. But like you said, I, I do understand him being about the team. And I really think last night was a case of, all right, we're playing a team with inferior talent. Let's work it in the post early, and then let's get these freshmen, you know, some experience and get them going. So, as disappointed as I was, I do understand it. I'm just hoping it doesn't become a pattern for Spencer. 
So we both covered this team in the preseason. If you were going to predict how things would play out through two games, would you say after two games they match your expectations or above or be, uh, below that? Yeah, they're they're exactly where I uh, thought they would be. I, I predicted them to lose to Baylor um, in a low-scoring affair, which I, I predicted to be a little bit lower. But um, that's basically what I saw happening. I, I kind of had a feeling they were going to have trouble shooting in, in an NBA arena. And then obviously you expected them to blow out a UT Martin team, which they didn't quite, you know, do the up by 20 the whole game, but they ended up scoring 91 points to, I believe, 50 or 68, 91, 60, something like that. 65, 91, 65. So yeah, um, they're just about exactly where I thought they would be. And yeah, that's about all you could expect from them, I think. Yeah, I, I I predicted like you. I thought they would lose at Baylor. I thought it would be a little bit closer. I even though they were playing in an NBA arena, and I don't figure I haven't figured out yet why that's harder for guys. I guess just I don't know a bit different backdrop or whatever. But yeah, I mean, who could have predicted that they'd miss two thirds of their shots through the entire game? Um, but you know, aside from that, yesterday uh, there's only so much you can really take from games against Tennessee Martin, and I think. The fact that you win uh, by that margin, you take that any day of the week because we've seen, again, as Ted Boyle made reference to Texas Southern last year when they went to double overtime. So any concerns through two games? Um, You know, I guess the biggest concern would be perimeter defense. But if you look back every year in the Ted Boyle era, they always get lit up from three-point range. In, in the non-conference schedule. I'm not really sure exactly what causes that, but there's always at least a couple games. Last year, it's Air Force that lights them up from downtown. Texas Southern does it. And I believe even Wofford um, hit a ton of three-pointers in that game. Um, the year before, Wyoming came in here and knocked down a ton of three-point shots. And I remember having this exact conversation after that game, is perimeter defense a concern? Back then, yeah, I think it was. Right now, I, I, there's something about the non-conference schedule where they don't depend on the three-point line. I expect them to get it figured out, so it's not too big of a concern for me. They, they have a bigger lineup a little bit in the sense you look at um, Andre Robertson last year. was he could, he could really defend pretty much any position on the floor, in college at least. Wesley Gordon can't do that. He's a great shot blocker, not as good on the perimeter, so you then you move XJ out. He's he's basically a three now. Whereas last year he was kind of a hybrid guy. Will that affect this team? You said in the past they didn't defend the three, and they still went on to have successful seasons. This year uh, they haven't done it very well through two games. Can can Xavier Johnson defend that three position um, and not have that be a liability for this basketball team? Yeah, uh, he's he's definitely capable of defending out there. I think it's just a little bit of a transition period for him right now. Like you said, he played a lot inside last year, and that he probably got com- a lot more comfortable with that. You know, it's a lot less running around, and um, you know, Xavier last. There's been concerns with his Xavier. Sorry, there's been <laughs> concerns with his motor um, since he came out of high school. Last night, I think was one of those games where you saw Xavier Johnson. Uh, he wasn't 100% interested in that game. Um, so, you know, if that's going to be an issue, then, yeah, they are going to have a problem per- defending the perimeter. But 
I think as the year goes on, he gets a little bit more comfortable moving around. He probably gets in a little bit better game shape. Um, you know, just like you say, you're never quite in that shape that you're in during the season um, until you start playing games and running around the perimeter and defending people. I think as the season goes on, he, he becomes a lot more effective out there. And that's a good way, a good segue to the next uh, topic, which is Wyoming, which is a team that made eight three-pointers in their season opener against Tennessee Martin. They played the same exact team, and they ended up winning that game as well. Um, and they won that game by 18. Not quite as impressive a win as Colorado, but still an impressive win nonetheless. And this is a, a different Wyoming team that Colorado has faced in the last two years. Last two years when they lost. To, to Wyoming both times. But that's because Leonard Washington has graduated. This was the guy, the USC transfer, that went to Wyoming and really was the difference maker in the last two games where Wyoming did beat Colorado. But as I mentioned briefly there, Wyoming is a, is, is a good shooting team this year, at least through one game, I guess, if you want to um, take that small sample size and, and give a team strength. Um, you've got a guy in Riley Graybo from Boulder High School uh, that made four three-pointers against uh, Tennessee Martin. Um, and, the, and uh, you know, they had other guys that were knocking down shots in that, that game. This is another team. I know Larry Nance Jr. is on that team, and he's a guy that can grab some rebounds, had 12 rebounds in that season opener. This is, again, a team that I think Colorado can really gain an advantage in the post. But they've got to defend that three-pointer. Yeah, uh, a guy like Riley Grabo who has he played at least two games every year in the Coors Event Center against Fairview uh, during his high school career. Um, and then, you know, he also played in the state semifinals and the finals in that stadium. So he's going to be very comfortable in there. I'm sure he's shot in there a lot. Um, and he's going to – he has a chip on his shoulder, you know. He, he, I know for a fact he thought he was going to get a little more attention from Tad Boyle and company that he didn't get. So – they're going to have to worry about guarding him from the three-point line because if not, he he could easily light them up from out there. But like you said, they're going to be there's going to be an advantage for them in the post without Leonard Washington being around there anymore. And Leonard Washington is a guy I think who was one of those players that CU learned they needed a player like Tory Miller because a guy like Leonard Washington just absolutely killed them. So you know it'll be a, a, a happy sight for Tad Boyle and company when they don't see him trot out on the floor this year. But um. Yeah, I think it's going to be an inside game for the Buffs on the offensive end. If Torrey Miller can be to Colorado what Leonard Washington was to Washington, uh, to Wyoming, that would be a lot of fun for Colorado fans for three to four years because Leonard Washington, I, I love that type of basketball player. Just a gritty guy that wears his heart on his sleeve and plays with a lot of emotion and Basically plays bigger than his frame. I think he was only 6'7", yet he played like the biggest man out on the basketball court most of the time. But going to your point, Tad Boyle did say after the game last night that, you know, there are guys that wanted to play for us on Wyoming squad. They do have four players on their team from the state of Colorado. Riley Graybo, obviously. I mean, he was recruited by Colorado for a while. I know at the very end, at the most they wanted him was a preferred walk-on, but there was a brief period of time there when he was a potential scholarship guy for them. Um, so obviously, yeah, there, there's no more motivated individual than Riley Graybo in the Coors Event Center on Wednesday night. Um, you, also, you also have Josh Adams. Josh Adams. He made – you talk about – 
you know, moments in the Coors Event Center, his tip back to win a state championship on that floor is one of the, the greatest plays on that floor's history. I just got goosebumps just thinking about that play. That was yeah. one of the, that's one of the coolest plays I've ever seen, personally. And then you've got Austin Halderson, his dad, or his grandfather, Bertie Halderson, one of the greatest players in Colorado history. So, you know, he's going to want to go out on that floor and show something. It's if you are, a lot of people have said, you know, Harvard is a trap game, and I don't I don't necessarily agree with that. And I think this game has potential to be a trap game, but I think that Dad Boyle is going to have his team ready for Wyoming because he does not want to lose to Wyoming and he he wants this one bad, I can tell you that. Yeah, without question. Uh, we'll get into pre- prediction time here now. Uh, this is not a game that Colorado will lose. Leonard Washington is not there. Like you said, they, they could not be more motivated for this basketball game. I see them winning somewhere in the, in the range of 80 to, to 60. I really think they're going to win this game in impressive fashion on Wednesday night. I think it's going to be um, a lot closer than that, actually. Okay. Um, I think that it's gonna, there's going to be a point in that game where you think to yourself, oh, my God, is Colorado going to lose to Wyoming again? In the end, I think they do end up winning it. I'll say it's something around 72 to 68. Okay. Well, we both have Colorado improving to 2-1, and one, and now we're going to find out what our fan correspondent, Tyler Ziskin, thinks. Uh, Tyler, uh, we're two games into the men's basketball season. I know you were at the Coors Event Center yesterday uh, for the Buffalo's first win, and um, I think Ryan wants to ask you a little bit about the atmosphere there at the Coors Event Center. Yeah, Tyler, I wanted to know uh, if you were you know, disappointed with uh, the showing from the fans last night. I guess I was a little bit disappointed. I wasn't overly surprised, though. I mean, I, I thought that the student section was actually a little bigger than it was going to be. Um, you know, Broncos are the number one show in town right now, especially with them doing so well. So I wasn't overly shocked, especially given, you know, how disappointed everybody seemed to be about the Baylor loss in the first game of the year. So um, obviously you'd like to see it packed every single night. But all in all, I wasn't overly surprised by the performance in the crowd. You mentioned the Baylor, uh, the Baylor game. That that leads perfectly into my next question. Um, do you think that the fan base as a whole overreacted to that loss? One hundred percent. I mean, I know we talked about this on Twitter. We talked about it on the on the boards a little bit. I, I was completely shocked by the overreaction. Somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day. Who I thought had a great point. You could have, if you had the exact same attributes, you know, good front court, you know, all that stuff with Baylor, except their name was South Carolina. I think the reaction of the fan base would have been a lot different. I think there's a lot of vitriol towards uh, Baylor. You know, obviously a lot of the CU fan base doesn't like Baylor very much and they want to get that win. But, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if you know anything about the college basketball landscape, going on the road essentially against a top 25 team, there's just the expectation for a victory really just shouldn't be there, especially early in the year with all the variables included. So obviously Colorado, as you mentioned, lost to Baylor by 12 points in a hard-fought game. And then they come back home. It was kind of a lackluster first half. And then they really uh, kind of separated the gap there in the second half, 191-65 to um, over Tennessee Martin. Um, After two games, and again, not trying to get too overreactive or underreactive at this point, is there anything you've seen in these first two games that have changed your preseason expectations whatsoever? No, I would say not at all. Um, you know, it's the beginning of the year. 
you look at pretty much every year, and, you know, a lot of the teams in the top 25 have struggled this week. You know, even look at our own conference, Arizona, Stanford, UCLA, USC, all were very unimpressive. You know, Oregon State lost last night um, as well. So, I mean, it's early in the year. Teams aren't, you know, at the top of their game yet. I thought that the, uh, the first game specifically, I thought the freshmen played a little bit scared, which, you know, isn't entirely unexpected. Um, they looked a lot better in the second game, though. Uh, you know, I, all the positives that we saw in the preseason expectations are still there. Really long, really athletic. We have more depth than we have in the past. And, you know, I, I, they can get the defense figured out. It seems like Cat Boyle always capable of doing that. So there's a long way to go. I'm not worried yet. As a fan, you go out to these games like yesterday against Tennessee Martin, and you you know, I, I guess for the most part, that Colorado is going to win the basketball game. Now, there's been a few exceptions of Colorado not living up to those, you know, uh, beating the teams that they should sometimes in the non-conference. But for the most part, under Tad Boyle, at least at home, they've been able to do that. Are there certain things you're looking for as a fan that, that you want to see, particularly particularly in a game like yesterday where you know they're going to win? And then there's going to be some more games like that left on the schedule. What, what do you want to see? Um, in, in a game like that, obviously, you know, it's a little bit frustrating, but you want to see Boyle get some of those freshmen in there and get valuable experience. You know, we've seen in years past, uh, you know, me specifically, I always get, you know, frustrated because I tend to feel that he keeps – teams and games when he does that, but, you know, every single year like clockwork, you know, and we get into the Pac-12 schedule, one of those freshmen helps us win a game, and a lot of that can be attributed to the fact that they're getting that experience earlier in the year. Um, personally, for me, I would like to see Spencer be more aggressive, obviously, because he's going to have to do it throughout the remainder of the year. I don't care who you're playing, taking three shots. Isn't really going to get it done for me as far as him being the leader of the team. Um, another thing I would have liked to see, and, you know, Josh, Josh Scott is kind of been the focal point of the fan base saying he's doing really well in these games and he has he's played well but I would like to see him finish better um, he's, he struggled to finish some easier hoops around, uh, easier buckets around the rim while getting fouled I'd like to see him take strong to the hole and create some more hand one opportunities for his team Tyler Ziskin, our fan correspondent, on the line with us right now. And Tyler, I was going to ask you, and my next question was going to be about the rotation. You mentioned that in years past you felt like Tad Boyles did not play the true freshman enough early in the season. And I guess this year you include redshirt freshman uh, Wesley Gordon out there. You said he didn't play them enough to get them prepared for the rest of the season. This year, it seems like, at least through two games, he's kind of done the opposite. He's played those true freshmen. When when does he need to narrow this rotation down to a certain number, or do you like the fact that they're going to be extremely deep? Do you, do you want to see Tad Boyle, again, limit this rotation at some point? Yeah, I mean, he, he definitely will. I'm not concerned that he won't right now. I know he's just trying to get guys some minutes. You know, we're playing the UT Martins, programs like that. You know, there's a little bit more flex. I mean, you could see last night they were struggling in the game, but there's a little more flexibility there to, to get them some minutes. Um, I mean, I, there were times last year, too, where I thought that guys were playing, you know, Eli Salzer, not to call one person out specifically, even Xavier Talton early in the year was really struggling last year. And they, they were getting minutes in times when they really weren't helping the team. And, uh, I mean, that's going to that's gonna happen a little bit this year, too. That's something that Tad's proven he wanted to do in the past, and he'll continue to do so. I think once you stick the rotation, you know, we have kind of a, a feeling out process here. Obviously, they can get past Wyoming in the next game tomorrow around Wednesday. Um, they, you know, there's going to be an opportunity for them to figure out that rotation over the next few games before we get into the tougher schedule, you know, at Air Force, CSU, Oklahoma State, all those games. So I'm hoping they'll have it down to eight or nine guys 
that he'll see a pretty regular rotation, you know, right around when that Air Force CSU back-to-back road games happen. Good stuff, Tyler. Before we let you go, uh, do you have a Wyoming prediction in mind? Oh, man. This game always scares me. Honestly, they always beat us. And it's usually always my most frustrating game of the year. Um, they're much less talented than they have been in the past few years. So you would think that we would have an opportunity to, to actually get them. We're at home this year. There really isn't much of an excuse. We should get it done, and I do think that we will. I'll, I'll go 76 Awesome. Thanks, Tyler. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Tyler. Yeah, of course. Have a good one. Enjoy the show, guys. All right. That was our basketball segment for Buff Stampede podcast this week. Be sure to listen in to our football edition as well, and be sure to check out our content following the Wyoming game on Wednesday night.